fear is this thing, that, the fear we're going to be talking about today is this unhealthy kind of fear. This fear that grips us and keeps us from being able to be all that God desires for you to be in your life. And the fear that causes you to spend nights worrying and anxiety and, and being anxious of different things in your life that, that really, they, they will terrorize you, they will cause you a lot of fear. You know, as a matter of fact, uh, a lot of the things that you experience, you were never meant to live in continual fear. Now, I just say that you were not meant to live in continual fear. But yet, many people experience constant anxiety and fear in their life. And you, you can break free from that. Even if you're just experiencing fear on every now and then, I believe that in Jesus' name, you can have freedom from that fear. Amen? You can be unshackled. You can be freed. You can be delivered in the name of Jesus Christ. You do not have to live in constant dread or fear or fright. That is not what you are supposed to do. There's another fear that our bodies are designed for. As a matter of fact, I'll put it this way. God created us in such a way to be able to defend ourselves, and we have a fear that grips us, and, and it causes us to be able in just a momentary and an instant to be able to do things that we wouldn't normally be able to do. And so if someone breaks into your house, suddenly eyes begin to pupillate, you know, they, they begin to open up, and so you take in more light in the darkness, and, and your, your body begins to sweat and tremble, causing you to cool down because you're becoming more aggressive. Adrenaline kicks into your body. All these different things that allow you to do things that you wouldn't normally be able to do is commonly referred to as flight or, uh, flight or fright, uh, you know, basically being able to do extraordinary things. We've seen uh, stories and testimonies of people finding themselves in an accident, and because of these emotions and things that kick in, they'll do pretty amazing things even when maybe their bodies aren't supposed to function like that. I mean, people lifting two and three times what they ought to lift and be able to, and all those things are momentary things that happen in that instant to be able to allow you to either get out of the situation or defend yourself in the moment of that situation, and that's a good thing because we live in a fallen world. Those are things that you're not going to have to live with in heaven. But we live in a fallen world, and sometimes we need that. But there's people who are allowing that type of emotion to be a constant. You know, your body was meant to have that for five or ten minutes. Just a, a short, brief moment while you get out of a situation. And yet some people are allowing their bodies to be constantly flooded. Let me tell you what. Your fears, you may think they're real, but almost every single fear you can narrow down to really something in the imagination. It's really in your imagination. Because fear is something that has not happened yet. Right? These, these dysfunctional fears that we all face, I've got them too. As a matter of fact, Darlin's great friend, man, I'll tell you. This morning, he, uh, he decided to... Give me a little friend. Got it right up here to remind me. Right? Because, because I, got a, I got a fear in my life. Right? I do not like spiders. Can't stand them. Don't want to be around them. Don't like spiders at all. And so if you're, if you're afraid of spiders, I don't want to scare you with this little kind of gooey, man. I mean, you know, I don't know what he sprayed on. Anyway... Kind of looks like a 
little form of a spider who tried to scare me with. He's tried to scare me multiple times with these spiders, man, I'll tell you. Let me give you a list of a few of these, and then we'll get started here reading the scriptures. But uh, actually, I thought it was funny. I went to this site, and I was looking for different types of fears and phobias. And I just, uh, some of them, I'm sorry if it's your fear. I'm not trying to laugh at your fear, but I was like, wow, that's a fear? People are actually scared of that? And so uh, the top one, I was actually, hey, this is arachnophobia. Wow. Fear of spiders, right? They have all these weird names for them. You're going to love some of these, right? Arachnophobia. I'm not going to read them all to you, but the fear of spiders, it says 48% of women have arachnophobia. Now, a lot of times when we talk about a phobia, this is something that, man, I mean, it impacts your life. It is not just something, I mean, you know, it's not just, oh, I'm scared of spiders. If I see one, I run. Well, by the way, that's not an imagined fear if you actually see a physical spider. But if you're living your life in fear because of spiders that you don't even see, then there's a problem, right? Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? That's, that's an issue in your life. It's, it's messing with you. It's holding you back. It's doing something in your life. Well, the ophidophobia, this is like reading the King James Version here, man, I'll tell you. So you're going to just help me. That's a fear of snakes. Uh, Archrophobia, that's the fear of heights. Uh, Agoraphobia, that's the fear of uh, open or crowded spaces. Some of you, you know, maybe experience that. I know there's, a, there's this fear of, I don't want to be in a crowded space. I don't want my brother, you know, he talks about that all the time. And it's very foreign to me. I don't get it. But, but he's like, I don't, he doesn't like to be in places where there's lots of people. And so, uh, Sinophobia, the fear of dogs. Astrophobia, the fear of thunder and lightning. Uh, here, I'm, just, I'm not going to read all these words, but the fear of small fa- uh, places like claustrophobia, um, the elevators, small rooms, and closed spaces. Fear of germs, mysophobia. Um, uh, aerophobia, the fear of flying. Fear of holes. <laughs> Uh, the fear of cancer, there's actually a name for it, the fear of cancer. Maybe you're living in dread because your parents had cancer and died from it or something, and so now you're living in this dread. You haven't even, even been diagnosed with it, and yet you're, you're living in dread for something that might happen but hasn't happened. Amen? So you got this going on. The fear of death, the fear of public speaking, the fear of being alone, the fear of failure, the fear of birds, and the fear of chickens. The fear of chickens is called electrophobia, electrophobia or something like that. I don't know, you know, something like that. Anybody got a fear of chickens? I mean, that's, you know, yeah, I mean, oh my goodness, it's a chicken, you know. It's like, uh, you know, I mean, I, would you get nervous sweat when you walk into gyms or something? You know, I mean, like, you know, uh, I mean, I'm assuming you're talking about live chickens, maybe dead ones, I don't know. Uh, anyways, but I was surprised at that. I was like, really? Fear of chickens. Fear of intimacy. Fear of uh, uh, closely, well, fear of crowds. That's, that's a, there's another type. Fear of needles. Fear of people. Fear of water. Fear of abandonment. Uh, fear of blood. Uh, fear of cats. Fear of change. A lot of people in church have that one. Fear of change. All right. Uh, uh, fear of balloons. Fear of darkness. Fear of men. Fear of fear. Anybody afraid of fear? Do you know a lot of times that's what causes or the onset of panic attacks can be a fear of failure, a fear of fear, a fear 
of if, you, if you've ever hyperventilated or fallen or passed out or anything, some people are afraid, whether it be embarrassment or just the, the event itself, they live in fear because they've had an event like that, and so they don't want it to happen again, and it will literally cause this panic attack to, to start occurring in their isn't that Isn't that something? You can have fear of fear. I guess... Uh, Churchill was right, right? Or no, what, uh, I don't know. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Now my mind's going blank. Uh, but anyways, right? Well, maybe he was on to something. I don't know. The fear of love. The fear of the number 13. Right? The fear of the number 13. Do you know there's actually a fear of Friday the 13th? Now, you know, that, you know where that originates, right? Friday the 13th? That was, that was, that was uh, Passover, first one. Yeah, to the Egyptians, it was Friday the 13th. As a matter of fact, Friday the 13th, they woke up the next morning, and their firstborn had been killed by the, by the, by the angel that passed over, right? It was the 14th of Nisan for the, for the Hebrew children, Right? But it was the 13th for Pharaoh and all of them. And so let me tell you, the 13th has lasted a long, long time as being this unlucky number. It's not really unlucky if you're Jewish, right? Uh, but, uh, but it certainly is for them. And so the fear of vomiting. Yeah. Uh, here's one of my favorite. I should have put it up on the board. Where is it at? Uh, it's easy to spot because it's so long. Where are you? Well, now I can't find it. Oh, yeah, here it is. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go ahead and take a stab at this one. Hippopotomostrosesquidalopophobia. Yeah, so, so I know it. The fear of what? The fear of long words. It's the longest phobia in here, too. Man, I mean, it's long, you know. And that, the fear of long words. I mean, could you imagine? I, I'm not, you know, seriously. Could you imagine someone having the fear of long words? They come up to preach, and you ask them to preach out of the King James Version, and they're going to be, I mean, they, it's not happening. Not, they're going to have to get some freedom from Jesus because it, it's, right? Yeah. Some of y'all have been caught before, you know. We've been in the back. I ask you to read, and okay, here we go, you know. And, and you're like, you know, the Amalekites and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the, you know, tights and the other tights and the, you know, that tight and this tight and Jebusite and whatever site. Any others? Bridges, bugs, butterflies, feet, sleep, women. Yeah. Most of us men outgrow that one. But at some point in our life, we usually had fear of women, right? Uh, except for our mom, maybe. Bees, buttons, fear of buttons. There's actually fear of buttons. Cockroaches, dolls, fish, midgets. There's actually a fear of midgets. Acrondroplasiaphobia. If you're afraid of little people, that's, that's the word for you today. Amen? That's your word. The fear of flood, the fear of ghosts, the fear of horses, mice, mirrors, pain, pregnancy... Talking on the phone, our youth do not have that problem. Well, texting, 
on the phone. They don't really talk on them anymore, right? It's more texting on the phone than talking. Yeah. It's a form of talking, I guess. Fear of beards. Fear of the beard. I mean, that's, we actually had a basketball player start that fear, I think. I don't know. Anyways, there's a whole list of here. Fear of Halloween. I mean, you know, some, I'm afraid of that one sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, there's all kinds. It's unbelievable, all the different types of fears and different things we go through. The reason why I bring that up, it sounds so funny, but the truth is, is that many of us are struggling with different types of fears, and they hold us back, they keep us hidden, they keep us from being able to get out and do what God has called us to do. They are binding us up and keeping us from being able to, to be set free. And I'm a, a perfect example of that because if it wasn't for God delivering me from my fear of speaking in front of people, I'll tell you what, I would never have gotten up here before I got saved and delivered and called to preach. As a matter of fact, I remember thinking to myself as I was at an altar and I'd given my heart to the Lord and I felt God speak to me that I was supposed to go out and minister. And I'm telling you, I had come down to the altar thinking to myself, I'm going to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. I'm sold out to Him. That's what I came down to get. Well, I'm praying there for 45 minutes or however long it was and I'm giving my life to Him. And all of a sudden, I mean, I feel it. Just I know God put it in, the, in my mind as both a vision and then spoke it into my heart that I was supposed to be a minister, I was supposed to preach. And I kid you not, I'm thinking to myself, I'm down at this altar, people are going crazy, it was Pentecostal church, man, and I mean, you know, they're doing all their stuff, I'm down there at the altar praying, and I'm thinking to myself, I intercepted someone else's call. <laughs> I came down for salvation, somehow, in God, you know, the switchboard must have hit the wrong button, you know, got the line transferred over to me somehow. When I would go to talk to people, I'm not kidding, I would go and I would stand in front of, if I had to go talk to the principal or go talk to someone in charge, I would have panic attacks. I didn't know that that was actually what it was back then. But, I mean, I couldn't breathe. I'd hyperventilate. I couldn't talk to them. I mean, there was no way I was going to talk to anybody in authority, and I certainly wasn't going to talk uh, out in public in front of everybody. It was the weirdest thing because I could sing. I could sing in front of people. I don't know why. I could, I could actually I could sing in front of people and it, it would be okay. But I wasn't about to start talking in front of anybody uh, until I got to know them and had a relationship with them and then I could talk their ear off. But I wasn't about to say anything publicly. And yet God delivered me. He gave me freedom and I believe that he can do that same thing for you. Amen? Yeah. And so fear contaminates our faith. Fear contaminates our faith. I like what Max Lucado said. He said, the presence of fear does not mean that you have no faith. Fear visits everyone. But make your fear a visitor and not a resident. Yeah, make your fear a visitor and not a resident. Fear is built in the imagination and it's a trick of Satan to cause you to walk in darkness, blinded by the truth that God is your victory. Fear is an attempt to cause you to walk in blindness and darkness and to, to rip, not walk in the victory God has given you, that God has given you. Now, we're going to look at Judges, the ch- uh, sixth chapter, real quick, and then uh, going to look at a few little things that God is doing. But, man, I'll tell you what, I think this is exciting. Listen to this, Gideon, uh, in the 11th uh, verse of chapter 6 of Judges, it says, 
And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Orpha and pertained to Joash the Abizurite, and the son of Gideon, threshing wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befalling us? And where be all the, his miracles which our father told us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this might, and thou shalt be saved, or thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Hath not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you right now. I thank you, Lord God, that you are with us, that you are in us, and that, Lord God, you desire for us to walk in triumph and victory everywhere we go. Father, we will face battles. We will face trials. We will have things rise up that will cause fear to begin to, to build up inside of us, Lord. And yet, you have said that we have nothing to fear because you are with us. That we can stand firm in our faith knowing that Jesus Christ has paid the price so that we can have victory in this world right here, right now. And so, God, I just thank you that you've already written the end of the book I thank you, Father God, that it says we win. And I just praise you and give you glory and honor today that there is going to be freedom in this house. In Jesus' name, I give you glory. Thank you, Father God. Well, here's Gideon. Here's Gideon standing in front of the armies. He, he, see, Gideon is a part of a culture that's denied God. They feel abandoned by God. They think God has run out on them and left them. But really, they're the ones that abandoned God. Really what happened was, is God was always there, but Gideon and, and all his people, Israel, had decided that they were going to do things their own way. And so they started worshiping other gods, and they chose to forsake the, the only true God. And they forsook him. And so God, as he had promised sent in these other men to come and, and, and literally they would come through every single harvest and they would go through the Midianites and the Amalekites, all of them would come through and they would wipe out the harvest so that nothing was left. Every single bit of it, they would take the spoils, they would take the animals, they'd take everything they could get their hands on and then they would leave and they'd come back again another year. Gideon's found him some wheat, but he's in a wine press trying to sift it. Now here's the thing about wheat. How many of y'all have had to do this with wheat? Anybody? I haven't. But when he's winnowing wheat, what you need is a nice, they would have a, they would have a, a threshing floor. You need a nice flat surface where you can get a good prevailing wind coming across. And as you begin to shake this wheat and beat this wheat out, the, the wheat falls into a pile, if you do it right, and then a little further down, the chaff, which is much lighter, falls into a pile. And so literally you can, you can do this by moving it across and you end up getting the, the wheat and the chaff. 
separated from each other. But that's not what Gideon's doing. Gideon's this mighty man of God. So what does a mighty man of God do? He goes and hides inside of a wine press, trying his best to be able to separate the wheat from the chaff. And that's exactly what he was doing. He was hiding out in fear of what these Midianites had already done to them, what they had already been experiencing. And then the angel of the Lord comes and says to him, O mighty man of valor, isn't it something that Gideon had everything he needed right there with him, but he's not going to recognize it, not at first. He's, God's going to take him through a process. God's going to allow him to go through certain fears and certain things and then cause him to recognize. See, you know what fear causes us to do? It causes a couple things, but one of, one of the things that it causes you to do is it causes you to doubt the Word of God. Your fears, mine included, cause us to doubt what God has said. Here's Gideon standing before this uh, angel of the Lord, and what does he say? Well, you know, the angel of the Lord's already told him, you're a mighty man of valor. You're, you're, gonna, you're going to defeat these armies. What is Gideon doing? Well, God, you, where are you? Where's God been? Where, where's the God uh, that, that took our forefathers? You know, they, they've been telling us about the Red Sea, and they've been telling us about the firstborn, and they've been telling us about the plagues of Egypt, but we haven't seen that God. Where is he? It doubts the very word of God spoken into your life. And yet the Bible says some things that are pretty plain and clear. As a matter of fact, I, I want to take you to Psalms, the 91st chapter. Huh. Can I just speak into your life with a little bit of the word of God? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noosome pestilence, and He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings. You shall trust. His truth shall be your shield and buckler, and thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh to thee only. With thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. You know we serve a mighty God who's already, even now, speak, you can just begin to trust in him. You know, I, I, I figured out in any fears that come up, you know, fear of, uh, I, they ought to have a name for a fear of churches. Anybody been in the church late at night by yourself? Try this one, man. You, wanna, you talk about creaks and noises and movement and all kinds of stuff going on. That ice machine will get you. I'm serious. You'll be in here. Everything's great. All of a sudden, that ice drops in that ice machine. That'll wake you up middle of the night, you know. Serious. I, I, sometimes I'm here till 2 o'clock in the morning, and that, I, we're going good. I'm not thinking about anything, but God, man, I'm, it's all well. All of a sudden, boom, that, that ice falls. And when there's no noise except for, boom, that ice falls, you know. So I don't know, isophobia or something, ice machine-ophobia whatever, you know, technical term we can come up with. But, you know, that'll, that'll definitely get your heart rate pumping and get you moving along. But you know what I know is that no matter what, see, my safety and my security, it isn't tied up in 401Ks. 
my safety and security isn't tied up in, in my gun that I carry or in my, you know, in, anything like that. You know, I mean, you, you think of, you know, all these different things. I, I, I love that, you know, I, I carry. I, I love having a, a, a concealed carry weapon. You know, I, I don't mind having that. I think it's cool. I, I'm, I'm cool with it. Bring your gun. No problem at all. Not for me. You won't get a problem for me. Now, some of you have a fear of guns. That's okay. I understand. I don't know what the name is, but okay. But the thing is, is my security isn't in the fact that I can carry a gun. My security's in God. I've trusted on him a long time ago. I remember when the tornadoes took away our house. Wiped through. I mean, it, it literally took our house away. I did not know where my wife and kids were. All I saw was the devastation. I was separated from them. And I'll tell you, you want to talk about fear rising up inside of you at that very moment. And the only thing I had, the only thing I had, I didn't have cell phones. I didn't have a way to talk to them. There was no communication for hours. And the only thing I had was God. And you better believe the word of God in my heart and in my life is what I began to speak and I began to cast down every imagination that would exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ Jesus. I knew that the Bible was true. I knew I could trust God with my family and that no matter what the outcome, my God was faithful. My God was faithful. Amen. It was the word of God in that very moment, in that instant of fear. And this was not, this was not a dysfunctional fear. This was a realized fear. This was something that actually had happened. But yet I knew I could trust in my God. I knew that just like David said, because David experienced some big time fears that came into his life and big time depression and other things. Boy, talk about somebody who got bound up at times and the different things that he was in. And yet he was the one who could say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me beside still waters. Yea, though I walk. Through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for my God is with me. How many of you know today that your God is with you? So when you feel that fear beginning to rise up inside of you, when you feel like you're not strange because you have fear. You're not, it's not some disorder just because fear is rising up inside of you. But what you've got to remember is, is when that fear begins to pull up inside of you, and it begins to say, hey, I'm coming to stay. I've brought my luggage, and I'm just going to move into your house. You need to just let it know there's no room for you here because Jesus Christ has paid the price for me. Jesus Christ has died for my sins. Jesus Christ has washed my sins away, and there's no room for fear to come live in my life. Jesus Christ is all I need. Jesus Christ can unshackle me from that fear that binds me up, that holds me back, that keeps me from doing what he desires for me to do. I love it, Joshua. Moses is gone. He's dead. He's led a group of people that are stiff-necked, hard-headed. I mean, you know, he's looking at this crowd. They're about to enter into the promised land. Every single one of them are, are pretty much younger than he is. He's about to lead this group unprecedented into a land with giants, into a land that is, I mean, you know, it, it's unreal what they're about to do. Now, he knows that this is a land flowing with milk and honey. He knows 
that this is a land that's already been promised to them. He's got the word of God, but he's also got the word of men that literally kept all of those around him out of the promised land because of their doubt and disbelief, because of these giants who they look like grasshoppers in the land. But this is what is said of him or said to him. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. You know what fear causes to do in your life? It causes you to feel abandoned. It causes you to feel alone. That's exactly what Gideon says when he's standing before the angel. And and the angel's telling him that God has said, you are a mighty man of valor, that you are going to go and defeat these um, Midianites that look like, literally it says, they look like the sand of the seashore when he looked at their armies that were going to defeat him. And God said, you're going to defeat them as like one man. You're going to defeat these armies. And what's Gideon's response? Where's God? Where's God been? Fear will cause you to think God has left you. Do you know most of the time, if we really are honest with ourselves, we realize that it's really not God that's left us. It's us who's abandoned God. When that moment comes and rises up in your life, you have to remind yourself that I'm not in charge. And I never want to be. I never could be. I can't do enough. I can't be strong enough, but I know a God who is more than able. He is more than able. What what does he promise Joshua? I am with you. What did he promise Abraham? Remember Abraham takes this, this is a man, I mean, I don't know how you've ever viewed Abraham, but he's a manly man because, I mean, you know, they got these five kings and four kings and they're fighting against each other. And man, I mean, his his nephew and and, uh, Sodom, more, all these have been, I mean, rampaged, and they've taken all these goods off. And Abraham finds out that his nephew has been taken away, and he just goes with with some men that were born in his own household, and they go and they defeat these other kings that the other kingdoms couldn't defeat. Him and just his household goes and beats up on them, takes all the stuff back, brings it back to this other king, and says, I don't want any of your stuff because I don't want anybody to say, that you, this was the king uh, Bera, I think was his name, but anyway, I don't want anybody to say that you bless me. It's God is where my blessings come from. But do you know that the Bible doesn't tell us in that moment, in that instant, what's going on in the mind of Abraham? But we can get a little insight from chapter 15 of Genesis. Because Abraham's just really ticked off a whole bunch of kingdoms. And then kind of Stiffed it to the other guys that he did the victory for. He said, I don't want to have anything to do with you. My guess is he knew exactly what kind of people they were. And he didn't want to have anything to do with them. And he just certainly didn't want their goods and money. But then we get a little insight into what he might have been feeling sandwiched in between nine kingdoms that don't worship God. Because God says in Genesis, the 15th chapter, what's his words? Let me just pull it over. Genesis, the 15th chapter. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not. Fear not, Abraham. I am what? 
Now, see, he's going to talk about his boy. And, and Abraham had some things going on there. But what's he talking about? Fear not, Abraham. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. So, you know, you, you kind of think, well, we don't really know. Actually, yeah, we do know exactly. What's the two things that Abraham had to fear? He had just beat up on a kingdom that could come retaliate on him. But God says, hey, I'm your shield. And then he had just given up all this wealth to another kingdom. And, he, and God says, hey, I'm your reward. That's exactly what he was talking about. God says, I'm your shield. I'm your reward. God is no respecter of persons. If you will allow yourself to be found in Christ, you have that same promise today. That if any, no matter what weapon is formed against you, it shall not prosper in Jesus' name. Have you been given some diagnosis? I, I know people in here that we're praying for this week. People that are going to go to surgeries. People that are going through different things in their life. But you know what? I know a God who's already given us promises. And we can stand firm on those promises. And yes, fear is going to rise up. and call. But you can tell that fear exactly where to go in Jesus' name. Amen? You can tell that fear. You have no business here. You have no authority here. Because this house belongs to Jesus Christ. And me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to believe in Jesus Christ. We're going to stand firm. So many passages I could pull in front of you. But Isaiah 43, verses 2 and 3, it says, When thou pass through the water, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, thou shalt, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest in the fire, it shall not burn thee. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt forth thy ransom, Ethiopia and Sheba before thee. You know, there is a God who is speaking and he's saying, I've redeemed you. Just like he's talking here to Israel and saying, hey, I already paid the price. I believe he could say that same thing over you and me. And he'd speak those same words. Though you pass through the waters and you pass through the fire, I am with you. Why? Because he can say, I went to the cross. I died on the cross. I was forsaken. And then I uttered those words to Telestai. It is finished. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. I'm going to end here because of time's sake. I believe that God wants to begin to deliver people from all kinds of stuff. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're struggling with. But I do know that God has not abandoned you. If you're standing back and you have nothing to fear in this house, because I'll just be honest with you, there are times that I have come as a Christian Man, there are times that I have, have come to myself and realized that I allowed myself to walk in fear and depression and other things when really the, the truth was it was because I didn't go to God in that situation. It was just, it was quick. It caught me off guard. It took me by surprise. And I didn't do the right thing. I should have just gone to God. It didn't mean I wasn't saved. It didn't mean God had abandoned me. But it did mean that I had to remind myself and refresh myself and say, you know what? I have a God who cares for me, who loves me. He has not forsaken me. He is with me. He's going to be there for me. So maybe, you're, maybe your finances have, have just gone crazy. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe your retirement. You know, I know some people that your retirement sitting in an account right now and fear has gripped you. Because you want to retire. And you've got it in different types of stocks and stuff, and they weren't doing too shabby. And, and suddenly, you've been watching that stock market. Can I just tell you, 
You can take your eyes off the line in that stock market and you can put your eyes on the Savior. Because he knows every single dime that you have, every single penny that you have in that stock market. And you can trust him, you know, uh, you can trust him to take care of your every need. We're going to have a lot of people, you know, that, that are struggling right now. Uh, they're, they're saying, I'm going to get my, you know, lose my job or I've already lost my job. But I, I'm telling you, there's a God who can protect them. There's a God who can take care of them. There's a God who is able and has not abandoned them. But they've got to turn to him. We, that's, where, that's where we draw the line. We have to say, God, I trust in you. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to solve this issue, but I trust in you. I put my faith in you. I need him. I need him. Without Christ Jesus, my life would be a mess. I don't know if it'd be fear that had overtaken me. I don't know if it'd be depression that had overtaken me. I don't know, I don't know what different things would come against me, but I guarantee you, I would not be here today had it not been for Jesus Christ in my life. Would you stand? I want to share with you a story. Actually, uh, uh, first, uh, this was actually something Billy Graham shared, but uh, I thought it was interesting. John G. Patton, a missionary to some islands called the New Hybrids. Uh, anybody ever been to the New Hybrids Islands? Any of them? Tana, Anawa, or... Oh, there's something like 30 different islands that John G. Patton was a missionary too, and he went to Tana first, and actually in at Tana, he lost his first wife there, and he lost his son 36 days later to some disease. So great hardship that he gave up as a missionary going into that place. But he, but he shared the gospel with cannibals. They, they were literally these tribes of cannibals. They'd walk around with nothing on. Literally, the women wore like fig leaves of men, and the young kids, they didn't wear anything like a nudist colony or something, but it was like literally these savages who would take their lives. And I mean, they were very vicious. It was, it was a dangerous place to be. But he knew God had called him to that place. And so he went there and he, and he witnessed and he, he, he tried to reach people for Christ Jesus. And he lost his first wife and his, and his, first, his first son. When he leaves there, he gets married and they start to have another family. And he, just, and he just feels the call of God on his life. And he goes to, I think it was Anawa or something like that. I can't remember the exact name. But it was another one of the New Hybrids Islands with the same type of people. Imagine, you've already lost your first family. And now you're going back because you trust God. And when they're there, they find out that one night, in the middle of the night, this tribe surrounds the place where they live with the intent. They all had staves and you know uh, uh, these uh, torches and spears, and they were ready to literally annihilate them. They knew that they were there, that they didn't worship their foreign gods, and they, and they were there to annihilate them and burn their house down and kill them. There was nothing that Patton could do. Nothing. He was completely helpless, except for one thing. Him and his wife kneel down beside their bed, and they begin to pray all night long. That's it. They begin to pray all night long. The next morning, daylight peeks through the window. They thought they were dead. They come out of their house, 
and there is nobody there. So they just praise God. Praise God for deliverance. Isn't that amazing? God delivered them. But do you know that's not the whole story? A year later, the chief of the tribe that was going to kill them comes to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. A year later. So God protected them that night. And somehow in the conversation when Patton is talking, he's asking this chief, what happened that night? My wife and I thought we were dead. And the chief confirms exactly what he thought. He says, we got there and we were going to kill you. You and your your family, you were going to die. We were going to kill you all. Every single one of you were going to die. All of you. And then the chief says, but the guards that surrounded your house were too big for us. And he looks at him and he says, what are you talking about? Patton tells him, uh, we don't have no guards. <laughs> and the chief begins to describe these soldiers that were really large and tall, carrying swords, surrounding their house. And they said, we, we were scared to death and left out of there. We, we got out of there and we never came back. Do you know that through what Patton did, 25 of those 30 islands, by the time he would die, would actually be Christians. They would, they would literally, they would be saved. The whole island would, would be saved. 25 out of the 30. Then later, 1907 or 1908, somewhere around there, because of the work they had done, they would end up being able to, to have all kinds of different, I mean, you know, now you can go there and, and I mean, it's a beautiful place and it would be like going to Hawaii, kind of. You know, the resorts and different things that they got. But, but they literally reached out to a place because God chose to send them there. Lots of reason to fear. And I'll just be honest with you. If I were in patent shoes and my wife and, and other son, my other family had already given their life and then here I am, I don't know. I don't know where I'd be. I'd, I'd be kneeling down to pray just like them. I, I hope that I'd have the same kind of faith that he had. But I guarantee you that fear rised up in him and his wife. They're normal just like you and me. They're not super spiritual. But they knelt down and trusted in the only one who could help them. In that moment and in their time of need, they knelt down and said, God, I have no one but you. And they just began to cry out to Jesus. And you know what? God came through for them. God came through for them. Amazing. Amazing. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father God, I just pray right now over this church. And I know that there are some in this building right now, possibly... A great number of us, Lord God, who find ourselves, maybe not every moment, but find ourselves at different times of the day being gripped by a fear that we don't even know why it's there, but it just rises up within our mind, within our life, within our body, within our heart, causes our heart rate to rise and causes us to fear the unknown. But you are a God who holds our unknown. We may not see the steps that are ordered before us, but they are, we are in Christ Jesus, they are ordained of by God. We can trust you. We can walk in confidence and not in fear. And Father God, I just pray right now that you would just begin to build up the faith 
of believers in this house right now that you would just begin to build up their faith to recognize no matter what storm or trial I am facing, I can boldly go forward, not in my own power and not in my own strength, but I can go forward because I know that I am held by the Savior's hands. I know that I am carried in the arms of a loving God who has not abandoned me, who has not forsaken me, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the God of Israel. He is the God of all this universe. There is nothing that is too small or there is nothing too hard for our God. With Him, all things are possible.